BridgeBank helps breakthrough ideas actually break through and remains dedicated to providing financial solutions to those committed to leveraging innovation to make the world a better place. BridgeBank, a division of Western Alliance Bank. BridgeBank, be bold, venture wisely. Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member get special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks. From KQED. Good morning. This is the California Report. I'm Adi Bolaños in San Francisco. San Francisco State Senator Scott Weiner says time is running out to stop the growing monkeypox outbreak. He wants local and state officials to declare a state of emergency. We have uncontrolled uh, spread of this infection. We don't have enough vaccines. Uh, we have very limited testing, and it's a real problem. And having a formal Uh, declaration of a state of emergency uh, will give uh, our counties a lot of flexibility. Flexibility around things like testing, vaccinations, services, and resources, all of which can help contain the spread. Gay and bisexual men are mainly being affected by monkeypox right now, and Senator Weiner worries that these communities are being left behind again, like the early years of the HIV and AIDS epidemic. A spokesman for the governor's office tells KQED California is taking this outbreak seriously and will continue working with local health departments to provide care and information to everyone who needs it. In other news, as firefighters make gains on the Oak Fire burning near Yosemite National Park, families are beginning to reckon with the devastation. California's largest fire of the year so far has consumed nearly 19,000 acres and forced thousands to flee. From KVPR in Fresno, Joshua Yeager has more. The Oak Fire exploded in a matter of hours Friday, burning at an intensity and pace that local crews said they had never seen before. Flames chewed through dozens of structures. Among them, Heather and Aaron Martinez's home in the small mountain community of Jerseydale. Over the weekend, the couple learned everything they own had been reduced to ash. It was gut-wrenching. It's beyond gut-wrenching. I wept for the land. I wept for all the animals and everything. I, everything I see, I see it right now. This, this, whole, this whole mountainside still smoldering. But it's still filled with lots of life and lots of life that needs help. When the fire broke out last week, the couple was out shopping in Merced. Heather Martinez says they didn't have a chance to grab the meticulously packed go bags they kept ready in case of an emergency like this one. All the preparedness in the world did not help us. Jerseydale is surrounded by beetle-killed and drought-weakened trees. The fire moved so fast through the community that no one could save the couple's pets. An emergency worker checking in on the property discovered their month-old kitten severely burned in the rubble. He rushed the kitten to the vet, but it didn't survive. The couple fears their other cats also perished. Knowing that the rest of them probably met the same fee, it's just, I hope it was quick. This is the third time the Martinez's have had to evacuate due to wildfires since 2014. 
Nevertheless, they're resolved to stay in the mountain community they've called home for 24 years. I'm going to spend the rest of my life up here. I'll give my life to this mountain, to this community, to this area. Fire officials say charred forest land left behind by the 2018 Ferguson fire is helping to curb the fire's growth, for now. But if the blaze makes a run around the fire scar, crews fear the explosive growth that produced smoke plumes visible from outer space could return. For the California Report, I'm Joshua Yeager in Mariposa. The Chief Justice of California Supreme Court says she will not seek a second term in November. Tani Kantil Sakauwe announced yesterday that she will retire at the end of her term on January 1st. Here's KQED politics and government editor Scott Schaefer. She was named to replace Ronald George, who had been the chief justice, and he retired in 2010. She had been a Sacramento County prosecutor. Governor Duke Majin, a Republican, uh, decades ago made her a superior court judge and then an appeals court judge. And then Arnold Schwarzenegger, just before he left office in 2010, elevated Tani Kantil-Sakoe to the uh, highest court in California. She was the first person of color, the second woman ever to serve as the state's chief justice. Uh, She's a Filipina, daughter of farm workers. And I think one of the reasons she was chosen is that they wanted somebody who could be collegial, be a consensus builder. You know, if you think about Washington, D.C. and the way the Supreme Court is thought of right now, very contentious, leaked draft opinions, nasty dissents. We don't hear anything like that coming out of the state Supreme Court here in California. And I think that's partly because of Ron George before her, but also the current chief justice as well. You know, she was a Republican. However, you know, when Trump got elected and started talking about rounding up undocumented immigrants, she got a lot of attention nationally. She called out the Trump administration and told them to remove the federal immigration agents from California's uh, state courthouses. And then she left the party, actually. And she became a big advocate for ending cash bail. That was one of her signature issues. She became something of a people's justice in a way. And she said in her retirement statement that she learned a lot, you know, having been a superior court judge, seeing what people go through in their lives, domestic violence cases, that sort of thing. Uh, And so I think she's leaving a pretty good reputation and leaving the court in good hands. That was KQED politics and government editor Scott Schaefer. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Hi there, I'm Randa Fattah from Throughline. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org podcast. That's donate.kqed.org podcast. Organizers rallied outside the Glendale office of State Senator Anthony Portentino yesterday to call for support of a bill that would put restrictions on the use of solitary confinement. KPCC's mental health reporter Robert Garova has more. The bill is slated to be heard in the California Senate Appropriations Committee next week, where Portentino is chair. The measure would prohibit solitary confinement for people who live with a mental or physical disability, are pregnant, as well as youth and people over 59. 
Mental health experts argue solitary confinement can inflict serious psychological damage on incarcerated people. Rojas, a formerly incarcerated Compton resident who wished to only be identified by her last name, spoke at the rally. It was probably one of the most horrible experiences of my life. Like, I wasn't even allowed a dictionary. They put, like, blockers in front of your doors so you can't get anything past under. The bill Rojas is supporting would call for at least four hours of out-of-cell time per day for people in solitary. For the California Report, I'm Robert Garova in Los Angeles. Seven of the ten most expensive areas for housing in the nation are in, you guessed it, California, with San Francisco being the most expensive and out-of-reach metropolitan area in the country. That's according to a newly released report from the National Low-Income Housing Coalition. KQED's Aditi Bandalamudi reports. According to the nonprofit organization, a California resident would have to make almost $40 an hour to afford the average two-bedroom apartment at market rates. But at minimum wage, a person would have to work about two full-time jobs to afford that same apartment. In more expensive cities in the state, like Santa Barbara and San Francisco, a household would have to work the equivalent of up to four full-time jobs at minimum wage in order to pay for a two-bedroom. The report comes as calls increase to build more affordable housing to meet the overwhelming demand. For the California Report, I'm Aditi Bandlamudi. A new statewide survey from the Public Policy Institute of California reveals where Californians stand on a host of issues, from gas prices to climate policy. KCRW's Janea Williams has more from the study. Drought-induced water restrictions seem to be top of mind for many residents of the Golden State, with about 7 in 10 Californians saying the water supply is a big problem in their area. In fact, 30% named the low water supply and drought as the most important issue facing the state. And although more than half of survey respondents said sky-high gas prices are creating a financial hardship, most are also opposed to offshore drilling, with large majorities in favor of developing alternative energy sources like wind, solar, and hydrogen power instead. A majority of residents did give state leaders high grades for their approach to environmental policy, with more than half of likely voters saying they approve of how Governor Newsom is handling environmental issues in California. For The California Report, I'm Jenea Williams in Los Angeles. More and more Californians are following water restrictions as the state's drought drags on. Or at least, they're supposed to be. There's actually a satellite orbiting the Earth that can reveal the rule breakers. And one Californian knows who you are. KCRW's Kaylee Wells spent the afternoon with him and learned more about his most recent discovery. Ben Quo didn't start out as a Twitter source for Southern Californian disaster information. He started out as a dad trying to satisfy his son's curiosity. He was uh, uh, interested in listening to the fire and, and police radio when he was in elementary school, all things. It became a lot more than a simple hobby for me. Then in 2017, Hurricane Maria devastated Puerto Rico and wiped out power on the tiny island country of Dominica. And the only way to talk to them was amateur radio. He says he relayed messages from the U.S. Embassy, which sent helicopters to rescue U.S. citizens from the wreckage. And then shortly thereafter was the Thomas Fire. Another natural disaster, this time closer to his home in Ventura County. It's still one of the largest wildfires in state history. And uh, I said, oh, I can, as an amateur radar operator, I can hear what the police and fire are doing. Um, I was uh, taking information from there and putting it on my social media account. 
Then last year, he earned a write-up in the Washington Post for rescuing a hiker who went missing. He used one blurry photo the guy took of the ground to figure out his location and led sheriff's deputies right to him. Because I like playing with the tools and playing with satellite information, and, and it's all free. <laughs> so I just like playing with it. And then I in June, most local water agencies told customers to cut back their water use during the drought. And he noticed something strange from a satellite he was monitoring. One of these things that you can look at is called moisture index. And it happens that the satellite has enough that you can tell where things are dry or wet on a much higher uh, resolution. So high a resolution that he can zoom into your house and see how wet your yard is. A fake lawn or dirt patch might show up orange on the satellite data. A household flouting the restrictions will show up blue. Quo found an entire neighborhood lit up bright blue in Camarillo, about 60 miles up the coast from Los Angeles. So we went to go check it out. We're sitting here, obviously they've been watering now. The neighborhood is all bright, 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 bright blue, more so than anywhere else in the county. This is Leisure Village. It's a 55 and older community, and it's actually not breaking any drought rules because it siphons off recycled water from a nearby treatment plant. It doesn't get restricted like potable water. Outside of Leisure Village, Quo says Camarillo is a great place to find rule breakers because their water rules are some of the strictest in Southern California. We are very reliant on uh, state water, and so that may be contributing to why we have to be more restrictive. Deborah Gallegos with the city of Camarillo says residents are only allowed 15 minutes of outdoor watering once per week. She says three violations mean $600 in fines. A fourth violation might mean the city turns your water pressure way down. We do have a water patrol that actually goes out during the day and the evenings at this point and monitors the residents' usage. Quo says no water agency has asked him about this tool he's found. Gallego says they're just responsible for meeting the mandatory reduction numbers. For the city of Camarillo, it's 35 percent. And right now, their current methods are doing the trick. On his social media, he jokes about how his posts shaming some of the water-hogging households might not be all that popular with the water hogs. But desperate times call for desperate measures. We're kind of in a, in a climate emergency right now, and, and we're running out of water in Southern California. What do you do, right? And, and obviously, you know, voluntary means may not do the trick. Maybe it will. I think they're hoping it will. But if you recall last year where, you know, Governor Newsom said, oh, everyone can serve, and everyone just kept on using water, yeah. you know, voluntary restrictions are not that uh, effective, I think. So water agencies for now are sticking with fines and water patrols, leaving Quo with the task of highlighting the households that have figured out how to adapt to the drought and the households who have failed to get with the program. For The California Report, I'm Kaylee Wells in Camarillo. And that's The California Report for Thursday, July 28th. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm your host, Madi Bolaños. Thanks for listening and have a great day. Support for the California Report comes from the California Healthcare Foundation, working to build a more effective, compassionate, and just healthcare system. On the web at chcf.org slash health dash equity. Personal Capital, providing people with financial tools like the Retirement Planner to help them achieve their financial goals. Personalcapital.com. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt through the Schmidt Family Foundation, working together to create a just world where all people have access to renewable energy, clean air and water, and healthy food. On the web at theschmidt.org.
Do you love learning about the San Francisco Bay Area? Its history, its people, its unique blend of cultures? Then you should check out The Bay Curious Book. I'm Katrina Schwartz, editor and producer on The Bay Curious Podcast, and I'm here to let you know that for the month of May, we've worked out a sweet deal for KQED podcast listeners. Right now, you can get The Bay Curious ebook for $1.99. That's right, $1.99. Just search for Bay Curious wherever you get your ebooks or find a link in our show notes. This offer does expire at the end of the month, though, so you'll want to act on it fast. Happy reading! Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. Hi, I'm Sasha Koka, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse, golden state. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey, that's where you go to Sunshine State, but we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts.